Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. We have our FA Cup last eight locked in, people. But at the weekend, it was Manchester City that conquered Arsenal to keep their names in the hat. We discuss that showdown at Meadow Park, which featured a performance of a lifetime for Kiara Keaton and one which could accelerate her journey to the very top. Uh, we also react to the rest of the FA Cup runners and riders, including London City Lionesses, who now have a managerial vacancy... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Mel. Plus, Serena Vigman's latest England squad is here. But where is Nikita Paris? Plenty to talk about. Uh, right, before we get stuck into the FA Cup drama, trials and tribulations, um, what's your moment of the weekend, mate? Can I have two? Mm, yeah, go on then, because I've been quite greedy <clears throat> in the past. You ha- I'm glad you've recognised that, Chloe. Thank you. Learning. The, the first step is, is to recognise it. Thank you. Um, the first one being Emma Coolberg or Emma Coolberry. Uh, her eight-minute hat-trick. Stunner. Having never scored a, for Brighton before, and she pulls out an eight-minute hat-trick. Uh, yeah, I think nobody was expecting that. I don't even think she was expecting that. So that's one. And then what the other... to redeem yourself there know, as well. Right? Like, we might be going to extra time. Bang! Um... And then the other one is there is a goal line clearance from Leah Williamson, Bunny Shaw, rose Oof. highest in the box, like ball headed towards the corner, goal bound. And Leah Williamson comes out and pulls off a trademark goal line clearance. And we've touched on this before when players come back from ACL injuries and they do something and you're like, that's them. They're back. Like that's the, the thing we know and love them for. You get that kind of little reminder. And uh, that was that. I thought she had a superb game with uh, Vigman in the stands. Also, absolute credit to her for putting out something quite acrobatic. When you've just come back from injury and you're sort of very conscious of, you know, really trying to like not do things that are going to impact your knee too much. Like doing something like that when your body is on the line for the FA Cup title, that is captaincy behaviour all day. So, yeah, 
Oh, I'm so glad that I gave you those two opportunities. Thank you. Okay, um, your turn. Mine's slightly less technical. Um, I would like to give a massive shout out this week to the BBC production team uh, in the Arsenal-Man City match. Um, there was a point in which Alex Scott was doing the commentary and the BBC team TV crew panned over to where Jess Glynn was standing, living her absolute best Pulling life. Her bags. <laughs> you could obviously tell Alex Scott was sort of delivering some, you know, world-class commentary. And at the same time, was sort of like taken back by the fact that her girlfriend was then on the screen. And the comment that she made out of nowhere, like she, I don't know whether she prepared for this or not. There's nowhere else she'd rather be Jess Glynn. Brilliant. Ultimate wag. Stunning. Ultimate line. Love that. I, I reckon she had them in the back pocket just in case. Do you reckon? Yeah. I bet she probably said it to someone off air like, oh, there's no place she'd rather be. And then the opportunity came and she was like, <gasps> take it. I'm taking it. It was gold. Um, so yeah, really appreciate that. Congratulations, BBC production team. Right, let's get stuck in because what a game it was. Man City conquer Arsenal in the cup, sending them out. Uh, they battled with a 1-0 win away at Meadow Park to reach the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. This is the second time now in as many years that Arsenal have been knocked out at this stage. Uh, they lost against Chelsea last year 2-0. Um, I mean, they, I, I kind of feel sorry for them because they do get stuck with very difficult draws at very early stages each time they've kind of been knocked out. And you with teams like that, you can't really be too critical of being knocked out at that stage because you are facing the very best so early on. But I don't think this was Arsenal at full pelt. I don't think either team were at their best. I okay. think Arsenal actually edged it slightly in terms of when you were watching it and thought, who's going to nick it? I thought Arsenal were going to nick it. But... um. I don't think either team were at their absolute flying best. You know, when I think back to some of the other games we've seen them play before, um, there's been a bit more, I guess, ex- maybe a bit more excitement and drama and stuff, but there weren't very many, like, shots on target. I think Arsenal had five versus Man City's three, I mm-hmm. think it was. Um, but yeah, there was there was some flare moments within the games. There were some key touch points, I think, that could have changed the game either way. Um, of course, everyone is talking about the did the ball cross the line? Did the ball not cross the line? Um, I think it's very hard to say. We can't be like absolutely sure whether it did or didn't. I disagree. Well, the thing is, what I was going to say is you've got Arsenal fans <laughs> in one corner looking at the same image going, it's definitely over the line. Yep. And then you've got Man City fans in the other corner looking at the exact same image going, mm-hmm. it's definitely not over the line. Yeah. So how is a ref seeing that in real time? Uh, no, I, I think the ref made the right call. She obviously couldn't be clear that it had gone over the line. In that case, you can't give the goal. But at the same time, it is such a the ball has to be the entire the entirety of the ball has to be over the white line. And I don't actually think it was. There was a really good image that came out from Getty, I think, afterwards, and it was just it was a shot behind the goal. And it's not conclusive, but it does very much look like Kiara Keaton's got hands on it in a position that I feel wasn't a goal. So I think actually it was the right call. And actually, I think you know you can't. I'm sure, I know Arsenal fans are going to be aggrieved by it. You know, I've seen some people say they were robbed. I don't think they were robbed. I don't think they you were know. robbed. No, but also, you should have had a penalty. Man City should have had a penalty in the first half. A mm-hmm. um, lot of Wubben Moy on Bunny Shaw. Um, I mean, I don't know how that was missed. Yeah. And, and Bunny, like, to be fair to Bunny, she didn't actually make that big a deal out of it. She obviously, you know, she was obviously in pain when she stood up. She'd been clattered in the head by by Lotta. But at the same time, there wasn't a, there wasn't a protest about it in the way that I thought there would be. But it was quite an unsafe challenge. But when you look at where Lotta is looking, she's clearly going for the ball. It wasn't yeah. an intentional thing, but no. it was a clear foul. Absolutely, and, and should have been a penalty. So I feel like it kind of almost evened out a little bit. And I think, you know, but for Kiara Keating's unbelievable saves, Arsenal could have equalised and potentially won it. So you make your own luck in a way, and I think you can't just look at one thing and be like, that's where we lost it. I think mm-hmm. there was lots of different touch points, as I said, throughout the game. Um 
But yeah, it was a it was a proper FA Cup fifth round tie, and I think the reason it's feels so disastrous for Arsenal, as you say, it wouldn't normally be something to massively put a team down for to lose to Man City at this point. Mm-hmm. I think when it's off the back of arguably ruining your title chances just the week before. Definitely making things a little more harder. It makes this result just all the more painful, I think, for Arsenal because once again, they are fighting for the Conti Cup. Well, let's keep on the theme of goalkeepers let's. because you know it's one of my favourite ever topics. Um, two months ago, Kiara Keaton left Meadow Park in tears after two mistakes gifted Arsenal a late victory in the WSL. Um, I mean, it's definitely something that it's one of those standout games that you remember because it was just one of those games that you just want the floor to eat you and you never want to you know, play football or goalkeeper ever again. And um, it was it was just the, the one goal that I remember in particular. It was that ball that I think it was lofted in by Kate McCabe over the back line and the bounce of it took it right over her head. And I can't remember who it was. Black was Stenius. it Black that scored? Um, yeah. And obviously after the game, she was visibly upset. There were so many photos of, you know, uh, Gareth Taylor, loads of teammates sort of around her saying, you know, it's, it's OK. This time round, like you said, a complete turnaround. Like it was a complete shift. And I don't think people appreciate the mentality and resilience that it takes to go from knowing that that was your last game, knowing that this is a knockout against the same side and how much this means to um, not only your, you know, your actual personal career, but also like your chances of getting in the England squad, which she is now in and and confirmed And having those Arsenal fans at you the whole first half, like savage, the whole first half. And as you say, that redemption arc mm-hmm. from that game but two months ago to this She's was incredible. 19. I mean, you're the goalkeeper. How bloody hell, how do you do that? I think um, that's the thing that I absolutely massively respect about Keaton is like she's not, she's she's a teenager and she's been put in these really highly pressurised, demanding situations. Like she started pretty much every game for, for City this year, had a phenomenal spell. It's definitely been a big part of the fact that they're doing so well this season. But again, like when you're coming into these games now, a big part of the women's game where you're getting all these big crowds is a lot of like the opposition fans are now going to camp behind the goal and give you absolute shithousery. We did get a question in from Olive on Twitter um, just around this topic really about sort of saying you know opposition fans are giving players quite a lot of grief you know boos and chants um, but sort of you know we do query I suppose whether that is too far or actually whether it's just part of the atmosphere of the game and like, I've been there I've, I've experienced it I remember like the Barmy Army they were saying I mean it was quite abusive they were sort of saying you know go and get yourself another chocolate bar at half time type vibes oh my god it was incredibly savage Um, and it it did did stick with me Um, things have moved on slightly Um, and at least the the shithousery is more goalkeeping related rather than body image this was was about four or five years ago I'll I'll give them some leeway um, ish but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's one of the things you're starting to see, like, you know, I've always experienced, like, every time you're going up and taking a, a goal Ooh. kick, the, oh, your shit. yeah, <laughs> it's just, um, and it's hard and you've really got to put that to the back of your yeah. mind. But, you know, I spoke to Kiara um, just before uh, Christmas and she was sort of saying, you know, she's been working on techniques with her goalkeeper coach to look at how you respond in those difficult situations, how you, you know, deal with and how you train and prepare yourself for those. And, you know, she was saying that sometimes they play, um, you know, like she'll have headphones on when she walks out to do a training session that will have like, you know, fans jeering or like big crowd noises, wow. like to make it sound like you're in that environment. And I think that's amazing. I well, mean, it's worked. Not only is that going to prepare her for the kind of games that she has at City, but also hopefully for England life, um, which she, you know, is 
you're sort of becoming quite accustomed to now. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, but and I and it was one of those things as well. Like she's got the support of all the players around her. When we spoke to you know Demi Demi Stokes in our interview a couple of weeks back, and she was sort of saying, you know, she's one of the players that she really puts an arm around, and you know, really sort of you know mentors and kind of you know she's part of the next generation, I suppose. So yeah, a lot of pressure, but then you got to remember they're a teenager and you know, also needs to kind of enjoy this journey as well. And there's, it's getting that balance right. But, you know, just to touch on the two of the saves in particular that mm. stand out, there was a Victoria Pilova shot. Yeah. From where I was, I was like, it's in. Yeah. Okay. And Sophie, who was sitting in the press box halfway down the, the sideline, was also like, oh my God, that's in. Mm-hmm. They, they've got the equaliser. I think Arsenal fans were really almost celebrating. And Kiara Keating just appears out of nowhere to get fingertips to it in the absolute top corner of the goal. Unbelievable save. And then she had another one from Kim Little um, that she had to tip over the crossbar. Like, oh, this God, is in unreal. the dying minutes of a game. You're only winning by one goal. The the crowd is on top of you. Mm-hmm. Like massive, massive pressure. And I do wonder maybe you tell me like anytime you talk to a City defender like Demi or uh, Kiara and goal, clean sheets, clean sheets, clean sheets. They always talk about clean sheets and, and they put a lot on clean sheets, clean sheets, clean sheets. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder, obviously every team wants a clean sheet, but I feel like this is a real, it's as important to them as it is for the forwards to go and get a goal. Like they talk about it all the time. And Demi said that in that that season where they won, it was all about the clean sheets. All day. I think, well, clean sheets, essentially, you're not going to lose a game if you keep a clean sheet. You're either you're going to get a point out of it, even if it's a single point. And I think, you know, when you look at Man City's defensive record this year, they're the absolute best. They're top of the WSL. They've only conceded eight goals. Chelsea, league leaders, have, have, have conceded 12. So you look at kind of like the impact that Chiara has made. I mean, you know, we've just seen that she's now and now been re-announced as part of the England squad. I wouldn't be surprised if she does get her debut she yeah. does pick up some game time I mean it's a kind of fairly low pressurised situation I don't think Mary Earps is going to be too put out if she has a game given her run of form given that she's young that she needs those minutes you don't want to throw her into her first game in the in the Euros like you know you have to build up confidence from a very early stage on, on an international stage so. and there's not a lot of friendlies out and about at the moment that many so opportunities. you've so got to utilise them would you say now that she's kind of hit Hannah Hampton. I mean, Hannah Hampton has been getting minutes for Chelsea now, just sort of started this side of 2020, well, in 2024. I reckon she would fit in probably at number two at the moment, Kiara. Possibly. It's hard to know. I don't think it's something Serena would ever say. Maybe no. she will. But I think as well, it's important to see how they how they fit into that England squad. And I think mm-hmm. she'd want to see some minutes from both of them before maybe that decision was made. But I also think it's about what a game requires. So if there was a situation where... Mary Ups was injured or mm-hmm. they wanted to put in another goalkeeper they have different attributes as well and, and yep. different skill sets and I think it would very much depend on on what the game needed but I don't think Serena Vigman would have any issue with saying yeah this game calls for you Kiara in you go yeah I think um, I don't know I think we're going to see a day. Should we put a flagpole in the sand? Yeah, go on. I think I, I think it would be fair, even if she comes on as a sub and gets half a game. I think I think we will see that debut being made. And I think, um, like you said, I think there is this kind of transition now into younger keepers and the footwork they had when I was growing up. No one even cared that your left foot existed. So like <laughs> now, when you kind of just left, hoof it, Chloe. Your left foot was for balancing you, for was standing, for standing on. on. Yeah. yeah, essentially. Um, and now, when you kind of look at the skill set that Hannah Hampton has, that Kiara Keaton has, the distribution is key because you know you want your keepers to be more involved in the games and to be able to like ping those passes out, to be able to start those counter attacks. So I think that's where we're starting to see this new generation of keepers. You're mm. learning your left foot really early doors. Um, 
And it's paying off, gals. It's absolutely paying off. Um, right. We've got to touch on Katie McCabe because she's been a bit controversial again, hasn't she? Um, Rach, what were your thoughts? She put in a little bit of an argy-bargy slash absolute shove uh, for Lauren Hemp. She's obviously just come back off of having a suspension um, from the yellow cards in the previous game. She missed the West Ham game. Obviously, Arsenal lost that game. I would say that that Casey McCabe's absence did have an impact on that game. Um, and then she goes into this game and sort of does something seemingly quite reckless, I think. I mean, I wouldn't say it was reckless. It was a shove. But um, I think it's annoying. That's the way I look at it. It's annoying because I feel like she lets her head get the better of her. And... I know we all want, we like, we like a feisty game. We like a battle. We like, you know, I like Katie McCabe's challenges, you know, really going for the ball. And if you're going to get booked for that, okay. It's the off the ball stuff. It's the stupid stuff. And I don't know, like she didn't manage not to get booked in this game, but it's the stupid stuff where you get bookings ratchet up and you look back across a, a, a season maybe and go, I literally like pushed someone or I time wasted, ended up missing like a key game. Because of that, like if you're going to get booked, I'd rather it be for you're coming back, you're making a challenge, you're trying to prevent the opposition team getting a goal, you're maybe being gone in a bit too heavy. Mm-hmm. Fine, like we can kind Mistakes of, are made. we can excuse that because it's in game. It's the off the ball, silly bullshit. And like, you know, I, I look at it sometimes with Ireland too and you're just like, oh, seriously, like you're a captain, like get your head together and not now, not this moment. Like sometimes you might have a game and I do think maybe the ref let a few things go in that game that she shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And that then breeds more of that in the game if players think they can get away with stuff. You know, Chloe yeah. Kelly was shoving back as well. Like, you know, you had hemp shove as well. Like, it allows for that kind of thing to fester. So I do think when you book those kind of things, it maybe nips some of that in the bud. But it's just annoying. Like, because as much as we want a feisty Kane McCabe and we really want her up for it, she also has to be able to recognise games where you're like, actually... I could get a stupid booking for something that could further down the line impact you. Mean I miss a really important game. And there are some big games coming up apparently this weekend. Um, well, we've learned that no game is not a big game. It's you, that. You could have looked this at the West Ham the game and gone, oh, it'd be grand. No. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I just think I like the feistiness. I, the other side of me says people always say, what about Katie McCabe? What about Katie McCabe? Nobody talks about Katie McCabe. Everybody bloody talks about Katie McCabe all the bloody time. And she gets booked. There's a reason she gets mm-hmm. booked. And she does get booked a lot. She's called Katie McCard for a reason <laughs> because she does do silly stuff and she gets booked. Um, but as I said, I am actually okay with getting booked for a strong challenge because it's, it's in game and that feistiness I can yep. kind of really get okay. behind. It's the silly shit. Well, it's that, isn't it? And we have seen a very big trend like from the start of the season, that Man City carnage game where every person seemingly got booked, that refs aren't shy of handing out a second yellow. So I do think there needs to be a level of, OK, well, let's think about the wider team implications of me missing games now, especially in a season where it is literally Arsenal have to not put a foot out of place to be, to, to be in with a chance, even though it's kind of out of their hands, to be in with a chance of still remaining in the title. So... I do think it's, um, you know, something that... Could, you know, say she does make some a brilliant game-saving challenge. It's uh, She gets booked for it, but she prevents a goal and fine, she day. picks up a yellow card, fine. Imagine that's the fifth yellow card you've gotten. 
that yellow card maybe was worth it. But then you look back at the other four and you think maybe two and three where I did something stupid I could have avoided. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown the ball at the back of someone's head. Uh, maybe I shouldn't it? have pushed someone into the stands. Uh, was mm. that really necessary? I don't know. I don't think so. Right. Okay, let's touch on Man City because I feel like we need to give them a lot of praise. Uh, we spoke about Arsenal quite a bit and all the controversy around them sort of being knocked out of potentially pretty much the title and now also the FA Cup and, you know, going into London City Lionesses' uh, Conti Cup game on Wednesday. But let's talk about Man City's progress. I mean, what does this kind of say about their, what what does this performance say about, you know, where they're at? I mean, for me, when you kind of look at what they've achieved this year, I mean, only three points clear of Chelsea, got one of the best defensive records. They're still in the running for all of their competitions and pretty much, I'd say, in with a really good chance of making Champions League football this year. I'd say they're, well, I mean, it's it looks very promising for them. But to go from the season they had last year to go into this season, it feels like they're in a really strong place. I feel like all the players seem to know what each other's doing. I feel like Gareth Taylor seems to have like consolidated the team. There seems to be a real spark about them again. I mean, what are your thoughts? I think there's been some progress. I do think they need to win very something. tempered from you. Yeah, but like, because like last season equally... You know, they were pushing around in the top three. They were chasing down points. They were in competitions. You know, it's. I think they need to start winning some stuff soon. Mm-hmm. I think they deserve to win some stuff soon because they're playing some of the most consistent football. Mm-hmm. I think this season they've been one of the most consistent. And I think we have had in the past where Man City will go on a great run. And then as the towards the end of the season, they lose that consistency. So it's maintaining that for the rest of the season. I think... Really great that they're, you know, on Chelsea's heels, makes this game um, on Friday night even bigger. Mm -hmm. And they know that. And I think that will be a real test. I think, you know, neither team played their best football in the FA Cup. Yeah. But both teams have unbelievable players, absolute match winners, big game players. And yeah, I think if they beat Chelsea, this could be a really exciting season for them. I think, you know, they've always been in and around. So I just want them to pick up some silverware. I I mean, I kind of feel like there's a, I think in how well they've been doing, they've finally been allowed to kind of have this better ambition. I think, I mean, even after the game, I mean, Alex was sort of, you know, Alex Greenwood was saying, um, you know, I'm not afraid to say it anymore. I want to beat Chelsea again into this game. Like, I want this. We want to win the league. This year, we have a potential to do that. And obviously going into this game at the weekend against Chelsea, this could be the absolute tipping point that sort of puts Chelsea against the ropes. I mean, even with Taylor, I mean, I feel like, you know, he was saying after the game, you know, when you work with the same group of players for a number of times, you know, you're constantly repeating the messages, trust the process. And the process now seems to be paying off and you know he was sort of touched on the fact that he'd been working with some of the the men's first team assistant and set piece analysis to kind of improve their defensive and offensive plays and I feel like that again was something that we saw and you know the fact that you know I would have put my house on it being Bunny Shaw who was going to come up trumps with the winner for that game but no it looks like I mean you've got a defender doing that for you so it feels like everyone has each other's back and Kiara Keating again we sort of go back to the fact that you know she was one of the people that you know you call on you rely on to kind of get you through in these sticky situations so I do feel like there's there's some real leaders in that squad now yeah I mean you know there's while obviously you rely massively on Bunny Shaw I don't think there's an over-reliance on on her no not Um, at all and I think your Hems and your Kellys have really stepped up they're getting the goals as well but equally they've come from other places Laura Coombs has gotten goals you know there Mm -hmm. there are goals coming from other places and I think when Bunny went off maybe there was a thought where is it going to come from Um, but as you say touched on set pieces that's where it came from Um, 
It looks and like she picked up a little bit of a niggle as well. well she was sort of sitting on the bed. Not, not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin my spread. Garrett just, said she was fine. Yeah, it just looked like I was just like, no, not bunny. Not, not after the Jill Ward situation. Just a little, like, just yeah, let her have just, a little relax. Your heart goes out. Oh, and I know. I when just, a player goes down, you're like, <gasps> not again. Yeah, I can't do it again. <gasps> Flashbacks. Speaking of uh, Shaw's right hand woman, uh, I mean, there has been reports this week that PSG want to sign Chloe Kelly uh, this summer and make her Europe's highest paid player. Uh, Taylor said on Friday that he's really confident she'll stay but we have seen Man City sell some of their best lately um, do we think she'll go do we think that that would be temp- a tempting offer for her at PSG no I don't I mean you can, you can want her all you that. like I mean I'm sure fucking Bristol want to sign Chloe Keller and make her the <laughs> highest paid player in Europe doesn't mean it's going to happen um, I think they'd be silly to let her go all day oh my god but I don't I think like she's enjoying her football yeah. with City there's not a part of me that feels like you know she's upset or she's expressed any discontent at all and also I think you know she's getting such regular game time such regular play that she's getting the deliveries that she needs she's got this great collab with Hemp and Shaw and it's keeping her on Serena's radar she's influential all the time she's always there I mean Serena was obviously at the game on, on Sunday I mean she's at the forefront so I don't think not that, you know, Serena's not going to travel over to France. It's not that far away. But also at the same time, I, I feel like she's enjoying her football in the WSL. Like, never say never. But when you're in a team who's pushing for the title, still in the FA Cup, you know, potentially going to get Champions League football next season. What extra, I guess, are you getting if you go mm-hmm. to, to PSG? Um, but, you, you know, stranger things have happened. But uh, maybe my selfish hat is saying no. Is it one of those situations where we say that will never happen? And it'll she happen. seems too happy, and then all of a sudden, it turns like... out she's fluent in French and has always dreamed of living in Paris, <laughs> like Chloe in Paris. Oh, season don't. two. Um, no, let's. I hope not. I think. I think she's she's having. You know, you can understand if a player is doesn't feel like they're important or valued or mm-hmm. or having an impact, and that's just not the case for Chloe Kelly. She's shining. She's absolutely key for Manchester City, and I'm sure they're making her very well aware of that. Yeah. Elsewhere in the FA Cup, uh, Chelsea only just beat my old lot Crystal Palace. I thought this was going to be the upset, and I was. Hoping, like I spoke to Laura Kaminsky uh, a couple of weeks back and sort of lead up to the game. And, you know, I'd sort of made this reference to, you know, Kaminsky, I've, you know, worked with a couple of times at, at, um, at Spurs and then she was at Charlton and then she sort of, you know, come through the ranks, now her first managerial um, position with, with Palace. And the way that they stepped up, I mean, let's just put into sort of context here. When I last played the FA Cup with Crystal Palace, which was three years ago, we lost 9 0 to Arsenal 9-0 three years later they're playing Chelsea and they take them to the 81st minute for them to get the win and they reduce them to just three shots on target and I think and the way and the way in which Ramirez scored that goal was no one's fault that was just a you just have to if you're a goalkeeper (laughs) surely you just have to applaud that I I would have well done well there's, I don't even I mean, know how you did that. I can't even. You can't even prepare for that. You can't prepare for that in training. The ball was behind you, and now it's in my goal. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. I mean, if you haven't seen the Mario Ramirez goal as first goals go, it is the absolute elite top goal. It should be probably goal of the year. I reckon <laughs> um, it's an absolute thing of beauty. Um, but congratulations to Crystal Palace taking them. Uh, yeah, well into the second half to to, to limit them. Um, there was a couple of moments watching the results going. <gasps> Is this, is is this, this going to be the cup set? Is this it? Is it, is it going to be Wolves? Can is you it, imagine Is though, it going to be Southampton? You're literally limiting Chelsea to three shots on target. With 74% game. possession. With 24% of the possession they had. Sorry, like, I, meant, I meant Chelsea at 76%. Yeah. Crazy. Amazing. But and the other side of that is, like, I just heard that um, Ramirez, like, Colombia aren't taking Ramirez to the Gold Cup. 
Emma said no. I mean, what? What? I'd be... Is it is it because it's not like a FIFA window or something so they can well, I'd refuse? St- I'd still be a bit upset about that. If I was the honest side of it, I'd be like, no, I'm keeping everybody. Don't mind. <laughs> you have enough strikers for three teams in the WSL, Jonas. <laughs> you could let some of them go if you needed to. I think he is. <laughs> Uh, Manchester United also avoided an upset against Southampton thanks to, of course, who else, Rach? Super sub. Rachel Williams, whose two goals made it 3-1 to secure their place in the quarterfinals. Um, Brighton beat Wolves 4-1, who were the only third-tier side remaining. Um, That was their second game since Mel Phillips um, was sacked, but her old team London City Lionesses now have a vacancy. Yeah, but Um, can we just, just again, I want to give Emma Kuhlberg again... An eight-minute hat-trick. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous to beat Wolves because they took them close. Wild. But London City Lionesses now face Arsenal in the Conti Cup tomorrow. It's the rescheduled fixture uh, because of the issues with the pitch last week. I mean, I feel a little bit nervy for Arsenal. I think given the run of form in the last two games and the fact that they're sort of out of, well, they're out of the Champions League, they're out of the FA Cup, they're they've made life incredibly difficult to see that they're going to get anything from the league this year and then stepping into the Conti Cup game like I'm not expecting oh you say this all the time you're not expecting that London City Lionesses are going to be the ones that upset the apple cart here but if that happens that would be essentially three competitions in about two and a half weeks and that would put a lot of pressure I think on how this season has gone I tell you what everyone slags off the Conti Cup but that cup looks very fucking shiny when you've no other cups to win so you know I think it's extra important there's an awful lot of importance on this competition I think for Arsenal because you need to be winning things and I Mm -hmm. think it's crucial to hold on to players in the summer like you know you've got some players that they're going to be wanting to hang on to to extend contracts um and getting winning things is going to be a key part of that. You touched on Man City kind of showing where they're going and you want to see progress and, and hopefully they will win something this season. But if Arsenal don't win something this season, I think it's been a big failure of a season. I think we gave them a lot of slack last season, understandably, because they had a huge number of injuries, often left them a little bit threadbare at times. Mm-hmm. They went deep into a lot of competitions. Actually, they went out of the FA Cup at the same time last season, but to Chelsea. Um, so, you know, you kind of look at their season and say, actually, you've probably overperformed from what we were expecting. Yep. This season, you've got to say they're underperforming because they're getting those key players back. They've gotten in really good players. They've mm-hmm. showed ambition in terms of their recruitment. But you look at the end of this season... Are they going to hang on to Jonas potentially? Is does he? Does should he have more time? I guess with all of these players to get them kind of humming because it just doesn't seem like they're fully clicking. And I think sometimes tactically things are sometimes tactically things are excellent, mm-hmm. but sometimes you look at it and you think, "What are you doing?" I want. I. I mean, there was this horrible, horrible tweet that came out yesterday on an account that looks very close to the official Arsenal women's account, and it was basically <laughs> saying, "Thank you, Jonas, for your time at the club. We wish you all the best." And my, I obviously follow the Arsenal women's account, so I'd not seen anything on the main account pop up. But my friend Dave messaged me and said, "Jonas is out." That was all. That was all in the message. Jonas is out, and I went into full-on panic meltdown mode. I was like, "No, surely not." I mean, it, yeah, I get they're out of the the FA Cup, but it's the Man City. It's not like they've been knocked out to. I don't know, money fields. Like, I went into full-on panic mode. I do not want to see Jonas out. Yes, they've not found their feet really this season, but that happens. Like, in the same way that it didn't happen for for Man City last year. And I don't want to see this kind of 
merry-go-round of mm. managers who have an off-season, for some reason it just doesn't click. Like, let them ride these things out with their team. Let them go through bad spells. Managers are not always going to get it right. But if you just sack someone mm-hmm. at the first sign of travel or when the season's just been a bit of a shitter, like, it doesn't give the squad consistency. I don't think he's a bad manager. No, like, this is what I was saying. Like, sometimes he can get it tactically so right. And that's probably the frustrating thing for Arsenal fans. You could look at them playing Chelsea and going... Amazing. Just battered Chelsea at the Emirates. Brilliant. Mm. And then All day. lose to Liverpool, Tottenham and West Ham. Yes. Um, so I can understand that frustration. I think my concern would be about who would potentially leave in the summer mm-hmm. if they're not winning. Oh, I don't think. But I feel like the squad is quite unified. Yeah. Like I don't get the sense that there's any kind of unrest in the squad yeah. or that people really want to leave. I mean, he does have a you know, there's quite a lot of attackers there. They could be thinking, well, you know. Why didn't he play them all at the weekend? <laughs> Where was Chloe Lacasse? <laughs> I do like it when Yoda sort of gets a bit frustrated and sort of throws on three other big attacking names. He's just like, right, fuck it. We're all going I was sink. I was expecting them to do that, to do that kind of like 2-1-7 formation at the end of that City game, but they didn't. But I can understand why Arsenal fans would be frustrated. Yeah, all day. Have your frustrations, but also let's manage expectations. Can here. you imagine the Arsenal fans and the Man United fans next weekend? Both a little bit oof, unhappy. Unhappy is a good word. Maybe they'll come together and like just sing generally or about like, their unhappiness. Why? <laughs> why? Make it better. Things can only get better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are fresh, hot off the press. The England squad has been dropped. They have two friendlies lined up this international break with Austria next Friday and Italy the Monday after. Chloe. Yes. Where is Nikita Paris? I she's still back in Manchester, yeah. I think. Um why? Yeah, probably why she having the squad? maybe a bit of a rant. Uh, to closest friends and family um, about the fact that her all the efforts and hard work and sort of incredible performances that she's put on uh, with Man, Man United don't seem to have transitioned into a place. I would have thought that maybe we'd have had a little bit of a bigger squad, maybe 25. There's 23 yes. going. Um, I would have expected Keats, given their friendlies, mm-hmm. to get her her face back into the the England squad. So I'm a little bit disappointed because I think she's been on fire, you know, and I think you have to add in the context that Man United have not been creating a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their XG against Brighton was like 0.9 or something, yep. you know, and she's still scoring. So even without, you know, potentially enough service, she's still getting goals. I just, you know, it's, and look, Lee Williamson returns, which is brilliant. But when you look at, she's played maybe a game and a half in terms of minutes and she's back in. Yeah. Keats is, is banging in the goals for United and isn't. Now, look, maybe you look at it and say, okay, are there enough number nines? 
with England. I don't know. But then you've got to ask, are those number nines performing? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one. I would have I would have hoped that she'd have gotten the chance to come back in. I mean, I expected all day that Leah was going to be back in. Mm. Um, I think she'll probably take up the captaincy role again. I understand that obviously she's not really reached the 90-minute mark for Arsenal yet. I think she had 70, just over 70 minutes against Manchester mm-hmm. City. Um, but she's been really, I mean, she's done amazingly for Arsenal since she's been back in, got a couple of assists, you know, being strong defensively, goal line clearances, etc. So it's not, even if she doesn't, again, sort of have full game times or maybe half matches here and there, I think just her being in and around the squad, I think it's her personality and her presence there, that leadership, um, especially with the squad becoming increasingly younger, really. But yeah, Paris was the one that I kind of feel really sorry for. I mean, she's not been in the England squad since the friendly against Norway in November 2022. Um, she scored eight goals uh, in 12 WSL games this season. It's been seven goals in six appearances in all competitions in 2024. And I do feel like that, is probably that should have been enough to kind of get you back in. But. Well, I mean, maybe not the last window given England put six past Scotland, but previously we had talked about them not being clinical enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could have been, and look, maybe she wouldn't get started for England, but even bringing in the competition of another forward who's banging in the goals is going to raise the standards of everybody else as well and, and give you more options. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably been the that's the biggest surprise, I guess, is yeah. that one. Whereas everything else kind of seems fairly business as usual. I mean, it's not that long ago that we kind of had a, an England squad announcement, so I wasn't expecting you know an absolute overhaul by any yeah. means. So, I think um, what is interesting though is that the under twenty threes are going out as well, yes. which should be interesting. So they'll have like an away camp together, which is is nice. Um, and I think that relationship between the under twenty threes and the seniors is really important. So having them at a camp essentially together is is pretty cool. I'd love to see a few of them sort of getting their first son of senior debuts in, in friendly, sort of those low, low pressurised situations, maybe dropping in a couple. Um, yeah, well, but, yeah, but I think it's quite nice kind of being around that atmosphere, get to learn, you know, what it's like to be, you know, on that stage with the squad. So you know, that step doesn't feel so big. Massively being in around Serena and, and Iron and kind of, you know, experiencing it. What a great opportunity for them. Um, on the topic of international football, uh, slightly... T- just slightly more negative, um, really. Uh, Euro 2025 hosts Switzerland are in a bit of trouble. Um, I say bit of trouble. It's just very, very frustrating. Uh, last April, they beat France, Poland and a joint bid from Denmark, Finland, Norway and Sweden to host the Euros. Um, however, last week it was reported that the government now don't want to spend as much money as originally planned. Um, so originally, 13.5 million was set aside, uh, but now that amount is set to be reduced to 3.6 million. Um, and it's just, um, I think there was a great euphoria, I think, sort of when Switzerland was awarded the contract to host, um, you know, a massive international sporting um, event. And then I think it's kind of... Um, it feels like a bit of a, a shitter, really, a bit of a kind of a wet blanket that the sort of federal council now is sort of cutting funding at a, at a time where women's football seems to be going in such an astronomical direction that they would think it's appropriate being one of the most, uh, one of the richest countries in the world uh, to kind of cut funding in this way and so close to the tournament, um, especially since they awarded it well, just under a year ago. Yeah, there are some serious holes in their... Um their proposition but oh, couldn't gosh. they like sell a gold bar or something and just you know that should cover the nine million pound you would deficit. think yeah. it's um it's embarrassing I think actually um and I remember when Switzerland was awarded it and I was you know we were kind of looking at some of the stadium grounds and you know I think the final's going to be held in a 30,000 seater maybe a little bit more and we mm-hmm. thought is it ambitious enough and you know there are conversations around well actually look hopefully then the stadium's going to be sold out right and it's going to provide a good vibe and 
you know, I think when the amount of criticism um, England got for having some of the games in small stadiums, you thought maybe they would grow. But we're like, okay, no, maybe these this will be full and we can all get behind it and it'll be a really good buzz and vibe. And now you look at it and think, well, actually, is there going to even be enough money to put into all this kind of marketing and trying to get towns behind it and backing the teams that they're hosting and you know, it just, it makes you worried in terms of how things are going to run. Is it going to run smoothly? You know, everything logistically putting on a major tournament is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be massively cutting the funding over a year out from the, the tournament is pretty worrying. I don't know if you can like um, take away the tournament from somebody. Um, yeah, I think it kind of poses questions over whether UEFA, obviously when they went through the bidding process, the countries, the host countries or proposed host countries would have submitted, you know, their financial plans for, you know, what they in- intended to invest into the tournament. So now that that's been withdrawn, it'll be interesting to see what UEFA's kind of response to that is. I mean, it is possible, I suppose, that they could reopen the bid, but I don't know what the procedure is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to kind of add context to that. So it's the federal council that have cut the funding. Uh, but again, the host cities themselves will be still, they've not, they've agreed to still putting um, an amount that they'd agreed to previously. So that's not been cut. But um, £82 million pounds spent on the men's euros in 2008. Yes. So, you know, 2008 in today's money would be even more. And then 3.6 million. It's not a good look. The Swiss Football Association um, said, ultimately, the amount is a bit sobering. It's not what we wanted and hoped for and what was actually planned. Um, What does that say to young girls in Switzerland who have ambitions to play football? Like, it basically says your country just doesn't really value women's football. But yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. It could be that UEFA open the bidding process. It could be that UEFA step in and say, hold on a second, you promised us X amount and you need to deliver X amount. Um, One to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brazil has submitted a bid for the 2027 World Cup, while Belgium, Germany and the Netherlands have teamed up, as have the US and Mexico. Uh, I mean, personally, Rach, where would you want to see the World Cup go to? Brazil. Me too. How fun would that be? Oh my God, we would have the bit. What would we even call it? Up front in the, for- in the forest. What? I, I try to say it in an Australian accent. I'm still I'm still stuck from I'm still stuck from last summer. Up front in the forest because it's like a Brazilian jungle? rainforest. Rainforest. Up, up front in Amazon. the jungle. Um, we'll we'll workshop it. We've got time. Yes, we we have we have quite a lot of time. Um, yeah, I think I want to see. I went through the World Cup bid books, um, which are like these 120 page books that each country or sort of the host countries, if they were collectively working together on a Why? bid, submitted. Why? Because I'm. I'm the women's football editor. It's my You go through a 120 page each. Wow. Yeah. Plus the executive summaries, plus the summaries on the human rights as well, which is which has nicely been included as an additional part of the pack that they submitted to uh, to FIFA. Um, and I understand in the next couple of weeks, FIFA um, inspectors are going out to these countries to wow. kind of see. But also hurry up. Yeah, it's um I we, mean, we already know all the men's ones for the next God knows how many. We still don't know 2027. Yeah, but Jesus. I like the suspense of it all. But I do think like going to, you know, like Brazil as this beautiful country. I mean, their bid book is very much based on. So everyone's got a theme in their bid books. Like the US is, is let's make this the biggest tournament in the whole wide world. It's kind of like we've got the biggest stadiums. We're going to have the biggest fan engagement. We're going to have the newest technology. And it's just going to be everyone's just going to be absolved in this like women's foot. And it's going to be huge. And, and Mexico. And the thought, and Mexico, sorry. Mexico are like, <laughs> us too. <laughs> we'll also be there. But the thought of like the Eng- like an England-US final, a Serena Hayes 
matchup in the US. A like, lot of stuff has to happen for that to happen. The biggest like, home, really, of women's football historically would be absolutely groundbreaking. Mm. It would be groundbreaking. I do think they would put on the biggest thing that you've ever seen in your entire life. I also feel like we could probably come up with a smarter name if it was in the US. But like, I don't know, the Upfront Carnival? That would be quite cool for Brazil. Um, Up Us? That sounds kind of gross. <laughs> I don't think the marketing would work for that. Wait a minute, what's this pod about? Where are you putting it? That is probably the worst suggestion. No, I was saying Upfront Carnival up, for up Brazil. US, no, like, I understood that. But it, ta- yeah. it takes explanation, that's the problem. I think that's the problem. This is why I don't work in branding. Highway 69? No, we can't call it that either. Okay, well, we need to workshop that as well. But Brazil, I feel like their bid book was very much placed on kind of like this, like nature, you know, they are the natural holders of the game. You know, football supposedly originated in Brazil. They have this, you know, they have... Yeah, it's that kind of like Brazilian flair and the culture and the kind of the festival side of it. I mean, you know, going somewhere like Rio de Janeiro. I'm sold. And like seeing like... Christ the Redeemer. It's that. And I just, Think um, Beach. It would be amazing. Like, and you'd probably have like Marta be involved in it in somehow. Like, she'd probably be like, I don't know, head comms or like she'd be handing out the finals trophy and it would just be like, oh, it would just be unreal. I, I would hope that it would either go to the US or Mexico. And that's not just me personally because I want to visit those countries, but I also think it would be just such a vibe. And that's nothing to no say. No offense yeah. to uh, Belgium, Germany, and the Netherlands, but being there, done that, we really want the t shirt from Brazil. Yeah, and it's always nice to have a big international trip because oh, we, we cope with those so well. Anyway, we should ask our um, our followers, they can our listeners can give us some some upfront name ideas for either Brazil or US slash Mexico. Oh my God, what a touch. What an absolute touch. Mm. And also tell us where you'd like the tournament to go. Um, there were also some very interesting developments for US soccer last week when it was announced that the new United Soccer League, uh, USL, will be given Division 1 status, basically making it a top uh, a rival top flight division to the NWSL. Very, very interesting. So odd. Why would you have a rival competition? Why would you not? I don't know. It's just an interesting approach. It's um, also come up with some better names, guys. It's that. Christ. That's what I was going to kind of so call annoying. out. I just think it, it needs something a bit. <sighs> I mean, I'm not after what I've just said. I, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, I'm. We don't exactly come up with good names, but yeah, like sure. there's literally like five words that they use in, for US tournaments. Soccer. <laughs> and they league, just. United. Women, <laughs> national. Sometimes she believes. But um, <laughs> they just amalgamate the different words in different ways. Um, yeah. Interesting one to keep an eye on because that seems. I mean, it would mean we'd have football kind of a bit more year round wouldn't we yeah but I just don't really get the rival side of it no agreed Rachel where are you heading this weekend it's such a big it's I mean where do you go it's like there's a there's so many games there's just so many big clashes well what's Um, great is we've got a Friday night a Saturday and then Sunday games. So I'm doing Chelsea versus Manchester City on Friday. Then Lovely. I'm doing Arsenal versus Manchester United. A Friday night fixture. I, I love that. Love it. Friday I absolutely night love it. And I'm then... actually making that Valentine's. I'm not seeing the GF on Valentine's Day. So Friday is the new Valentine's Day. Why not? And we're going to watch the game. Of course, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm actually doing Valentine's Day because I'm not going to the rescheduled Arsenal London City Lionesses fixture on Valentine's Day. Ridiculous. Day You're not. Day. I'm not. Absolutely not. Why? Um, 
because we don't really do things outside of football ever. So we'd earmarked Valentine's Day and then they changed the game. You're always doing wine tasting and whatnot. No, we're not. Yeah. I just drink wine when I'm watching football at oh, home. Oh, you make it sound posher than it is. Though. Oh, it's not. Anyway, yeah. back to the question. So I got those two biggins and then I'm doing Leicester City versus Bristol City, which will be an interesting one because Bristol and West Ham have both had a little bit of time off. Mm-hmm. So see how that maybe affects them. Are they back fresh, ready to, to go again? So um, West Ham is playing Everton, which will be an interesting one. And Leicester versus Bristol will be another good one. Um, well, thanks for asking, Rach. Uh, I'm going down to Arsenal Man United. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to watch it. I cannot wait. I do not know which shirt to wear because I am conflicted because Arsenal have the better shirt. Get one of them half and half scarves that everyone hates. Well, I might do that. I mean, Art of Football have been putting out some absolute banging material on their website. Just a little plug to them. Um, so, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll wear both and then just see who wins and just wear the winning shirt home. Glory Hunter. Not me. Uh, thank you for listening. We're back slightly later this week on Friday where Rachel will be catching up with referee Georgia Ball. That's right. We've got a referee for the first time ever on the pod. So this is your chance to ask a referee anything and everything you'd want to know about the laws of the game, including the expectation of how many cards that, that Casey McCabe's going to get to the end of the season. Um, her experience dealing with fans and the media and much, much more. Georgia was the lineswoman for the FA Cup final wow. so she's been there done it got the t-shirt uh, so make sure to catch that on Friday in the meantime you can find us on Instagram and X I am at Morgie underscore 89 Rach is at girls on the ball and we are at upfront underscore pod you can also find us on YouTube at upfront pod Rach we'll see you on Friday and I'll see you next week Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.